You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to My Victory Church, one church in five physical locations. Let's welcome everyone that's joining us right now in Tabor with Pastor Renee and Jill. Welcome to you guys. Welcome to everyone in Claire's home with Pastor Brian and Heidi. Welcome to you guys. Welcome Lloyd Minster with Pastor Mike and Carol. Welcome to you guys. Welcome Lethbridge with Pastor Ralph and Cindy. Welcome to all of you and welcome Okotoks with Pastor Joel and Tanisha and everyone that's joining us online wherever you are around the world. Thanks for joining us with Pastor Tim and Jen and our online crew and welcome to part eight. Yeah, we don't normally do series uh, this long. We, we uh, typically, our series would last four to six weeks. And what we do in a series, we take a topic and we talk about it until we're sick of it. And this one, we're not sick of it yet. We're still going. It's week eight, Songs of Summer. And we are talking about the songs that have been written in this house, for this house, over the last year and a half throughout this whole COVID season. Our team's been writing songs. And these songs have a little bit more depth than then I think then just releasing a song and saying, hey, do you like the song? There's something in each one of these lyrically, just prophetically, spiritually that are, are deeper and ministering to each of us on, on different levels. I know uh, talking with many of you, there's each one of you has a different favorite song. That doesn't really surprise me at all because, because each one of these songs, I think, is, is meant for you in some way. That's when the Holy Spirit's resonating and you feel like someone put lyrics to what you've been feeling or sensing or thinking uh, that's because the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us and, and through us and to you. And this is an amazing time to do that. That's why we wanted to kind of go through this. So the first five weeks of this series, we, we kind of, let's just be honest, we kind of lamented. And lament, there's an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. And it's a book of, of Jeremiah's lamenting. And he's just kind of, you know, grieving what was lost. And let's be honest, this last year and a half in COVID, we've gone through a, a lot and a lot did get lost. And it was a lot of questions that we had about God and about church and about, you know, our families and, and, and work and just a lot of things rolling around in our head. And where do we anchor and what do we anchor in? And is what was important before is as important now? A lot of these questions that a lot of us have been going through and the first five weeks, those songs really dove into that and we learned to, you know, we, we lamented and we really pressed in to God and, and who he is and, and what, do, what do we lean into and what do we trust when we don't get the answers we expect or in the way that we expect and when we don't feel God or sense God in the same way, when we feel our faith drifting a little bit, what do we do? How do we press in? Those really are the first five weeks. And the last couple weeks and these last two weeks of this series, we're really pressing forward and we're excited about what God is going to do and is doing in our church and in this season. And really, I got to say, I'm so excited about the future. I cannot wait. I've just, I'm, I'm vibrating on the inside because we're about six weeks out to a relaunch, October 1st. Don't miss it. Mark it on your calendars. Get here to Lethbridge. We are going to be um, uh, celebrating with all of our campuses, open to the public. Anyone is welcome. We're going to be relaunching, replanting the church under a new brand, new banner, exciting vision. And I just cannot wait uh, to, to reveal to you what God is doing and excited about what the future holds. And these, these four songs in these, these last four weeks are really just basically we're proclaiming now into the future, into what's going on. 
And today's song is no exception to that. And the question that we start every message with a question throughout the series, the question that I want to address today, um, again, we can quickly answer this, but I want you to meditate on this and think a little bit deeper on this. But the question today is, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God is good? I mean, really believe that he is good, that he wants only good for you, that he wants good for you whether you deserve it or not. Uh, and I think the reason why this is an important question to press into is in a world that's spewing hatred toward the church, let's just be honest, rightfully so, for the atrocities committed against other human beings created in the image of God, but these atrocities committed in the name of God, it's, it's sickening, it's disgusting, and God wants no part of that. But in the midst of all that, there's hatred being spewed towards the church and to Christians and, and to God and people walking away in droves because, because of this one question, is God good? Like in the midst of all this, but in the midst of all the chaos going on, it's easy to forget that God is good. Maybe in the midst of your own chaos, maybe you haven't had a prayer answered in the way that you expected to, or maybe God disappointed you, or let's just be honest, maybe God angered you or frustrated you or is frustrating you. And it's easy to, for us to forget that God is good, but we need to know that he is good. And today I'm going to throw a whole bunch of scriptures at you because apparently this wrestling with God is good. We're not the only ones. We're not the first ones. From the beginning of the Bible, from the beginning of time until now, mankind and womankind, I guess if that's a thing, um, all of us have been wrestling with this idea, is, is God really, really good? Um, Mark 10, verse 18, uh, it's, you know, Jesus even said this. He said, no one is good except God alone. In other words, don't lump God into the behaviors of his followers. We're not good. We're imperfect. Uh, we're supposed to be Christians or Christ-like, but let's be honest. There's no one good except God alone. So we got to be careful that we don't lump in our expectations of God based on and, and, and our expectations of the church or of, of a Christian. We can't lump in our expectation of Father God, for instance, because of the imperfections of our own earthly father. And maybe the mistreatment that we got from our earthly father or the abuse we got there, it's hard to worship and, and believe in a good God because we lump that in. Or it's hard to believe that, man, that God is real, that God is good when we see residential schools and, and all the other atrocities being committed by the church to other human beings and going, how can God be good that his own followers do these kind of things or that he allows us to this? But but we need to remember, Jesus said this right, he's like, there's no one good except God alone. I'm not good. You're not good. We're, we're going to, I'm going to let you down. We're going to let you down. The church is going to let you down. We're going to, because, I mean, your family's going to let you down. People are going to let you down because we aren't innately good. We're all in need of, of the mercy and of the grace of our, our God. But we need to remember that no one is good except God alone and that I can't allow 
the hurt and pain caused by somebody else and their imperfections to affect my view of, of God. David said this in, in the Psalms. He said, the Lord is good to all. And he has compassion on all he has made. Now, he's, he's good to all. He's good to every race. He's good to every person. And listen, he's good to believers and unbelievers. He's good and compassionate to all. But there's something special that happens when you get to know him. And, and the psalmist said this in Psalm 25, verse 8. He says, how good, talking to God, he says, how good you are to me. When people turn to you, Yahweh, that's the Hebrew name for God, they discover how easy you are to please. So faithful and true. Joyfully, you teach them to, to the proper path, even when they go astray. I love that. How easy you are to please. I mean, think about this. Religion teaches something different, doesn't it? Religion makes it difficult for people to come to God. Religion makes us think a lot of times that God is difficult to please. I know, you know, I grew up and I've talked about this often, but I want, I want you to know that I resonate with those of you who have grown up in it too. I, I, had, I wrestled with God is good because I grew up with this idea that, that God was this mean judge up there waiting to take me out and waiting for me to make a mistake. And that he was, I had this preconceived idea that he was virtually impossible to please. That, I mean, I had, to, I had to sacrifice everything, give up everything. I had to, I had to wrestle with this, this idea that, that man, I, I'm imperfect and I have to repent enough and I have to do these enough and I have to, I have to do penance enough if, if, if I make a mistake in order to re-earn his, his favor in some way. But the psalmist says this, that when you get to know him, when people turn to you, God, Yahweh, when, when they turn to you, they discover how easy you are to please. So the truth is, for me, is that when I somewhat knew God, uh, I've, I thought and had this preconceived idea that he was difficult to please. And that literally held me back from pursuing him more. And maybe, maybe that's you, and I, I'm here to tell you, press in. The, the psalmist said it, press in. I've discovered this, that when I pressed in past the religious barriers in my own mind, never mind what, the, what was being forced on me or put on me, but when I pressed past those barriers in my own mind and, and pressed into relationship with God, the closer I got, the more I began to discover he's good. He's merciful. He's loving. He's extraordinarily kind. And he's easy to please. Far easier to please than the most loving father on earth. Jesus said that. Far easier to please. I mean, you think about a human being that, that is gracious no matter what and, and easy to please. Whether that be a boss or a parent or brother, sister, somebody that you're like that. God's way easier to please than that. When we press in, when we get to know him, our God is so good. It's kindness that leads 
His kindness leads men to repentance. That's what Romans 2.4 says. It says, don't, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? I mean, religion despises his goodness. The, the religious despise, despise Jesus because he offered mercy and goodness and kindness to people that are like, they don't deserve that, right? And, and they were right. They didn't deserve that, yet Jesus offered goodness and they despised Jesus because of the riches of his goodness to people. His forbearance and long suffering. He, he would tolerate people they cast out. And Jesus was long suffering and was, was patient beyond what is humanly possible, and, and they despise him for it, not knowing, they despise him because not knowing that it's his goodness. One translation says his kindness that, uh, of God that leads you to repentance. I always, thought, I always thought it was, I don't know, the fear of God or God's meanness or God's judgmentalness. I, I don't know, like, like the fear that would lead men to turn and repent. Uh, you you might have heard this um, you know, the, the turn and burn sermons, you know, that the, you're going to hell, you know, the, the street corner preacher got the signs, you're going to hell. And that was kind of in vogue, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. In, in some places, it's still in vogue today. But, uh, but, I, but people, you know, you know, thinking that if I can scare people enough, they're going to want to go and meet God. And if we can scare the hell out of them, they'll go to heaven. Like, I don't know where we got that. Don't, don't mistake that as being God because that's not, you know, Paul grew up in that kind of thing. And then he writes to the Roman church and goes, listen, it wasn't the fear or the rules or the judgment of God that led me to repentance. It was his kindness, his goodness. He's like, and Paul's probably writing this and going, I murdered people in that were Jesus followers as a Pharisee. And yet he was so kind and long-suffering and good to me. And that goodness, that led me to repentance. And repentance, by the way, just means a change of mind. It's the goodness of God that will lead you to change your mind about him but it also leads you to change your mind about you. You start to see yourself differently. When, when you realize that God's long-suffering with you, it gives you almost a little bit more long-suffering for yourself. Because, I don't know, are you like me? Where Do you judge yourself harsher than anybody else judges you? Like, we're some of our worst critics. And yet when I see the graciousness of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of God, his long suffering for me, it, it allows me to be a little bit kinder to myself too. And, and it brings about a change of mind. And, and, and motivation, being motivated by goodness is, is going to last a whole lot longer than being motivated by fear. It's the goodness of God. The psalmist said this in Psalm 107. He said, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness 
and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. It's his goodness that fills that void in our, our souls, in, in our hearts. It's the goodness of God. I mean, we, we get asked a, a lot, you know, to, and criticized, I get criticized a lot to, you know, from people saying, you, you got to tell people they're going to hell. You got to tell people about their sin. You got to tell them, when are you going to talk about, you know, hell and, and their sin and all the rest of it? it? Listen, hell is real. Sin is real. But listen, what's, what's, what's going to fill the longing of our souls is, again, is not focusing on what we lack and what we're missing. And, and listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. It's not your sin that's going to send you to hell. Come on. If, if that was the case, then the cross was worthless. It was a waste of time for Jesus. It's not a sin problem anymore. Jesus took care of the sin problem anymore. What people need is not acknowledgement of, of, of how bad they are or how sinful they are. Listen, if we all fall short. Big, small sins, doesn't matter. We all fall short, except for the goodness of God that leads us to repentance and a change of mind. And what, what sends people to hell is not sin. It's a lack of relationship with Jesus. And what gets them into relationship with Jesus is, is something that's going to fill their hungry souls. And the psalmist said, it's the goodness of God that fills the hungry souls. Come on. Psalmist said in Psalm 34, verse 8, says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. He's, he, the psalmist is saying, man, I... He's just, he's, he's like, I don't even know how to describe this, but I can just, I, it's almost like I can taste it. God is so good. It's almost like I can taste it. It's almost that I can just, I can see it everywhere. And he's begging. He's like, oh, he's, he's looking at a, at a congregation, a, a group of people. This is David writing this. Maybe, maybe a whole nation of people and saying, you got to taste what I taste. You got to see what I see. God is so good. And then he says, blessed, happy, fortunate is the man who trusts in him. If people don't envy us, happy and fortunate to be envied, if people aren't envying us, it might be because we've forgotten how good God is. It's, it's easy to forget how good our God is when we go through seasons like we've just been through or when we don't get answered prayer the way we expected or I mean, there's things, the devil's going to attack you. There's, there's, life is going to attack you. Your mind is going to attack you and begin to, to cause you to question God. And especially, not, not, the devil's not going to attack you and question your belief in God. Let's, let's just be honest. The devil believes in God. But he's going to get you to question the goodness of God. Because if you question the goodness of God, your trust in him, is going gonna, is gonna to be weak. If you question the goodness of God, you're going to back away from him and in relationship. But if we, if we believe in the goodness of God, it's going to push us towards him. It's going to cause us to trust him and to lean in, into him that much more. And we're heading into a season, church, 
where we're going to need to lean in and trust God like never before and be confident that he's leading us and guiding us. And, and, and when we lean into that, part of that is we just need to lean into his goodness, that God is good and believe that he is good. Because look at the psalmist said this in Psalm 119. This is what happens. He, he says it everywhere. Look at this. You are good. He says to God, you are good. And what you do is good. Now, I mean, we can read this and going, okay, it's good for him to believe this. But listen, can you confidently say this? God is good. And what he's done is good. And then, and then the psalmist believed this so much that God is so good. He says, teach me your decrees. Man, that, I got to be honest, that's so different <laughs> than what I grew up with. Because I, I didn't, I went to church because I had to. I listened to sermons because I was afraid of God and because I thought I had to. I, I, I don't know that I fully got to the place where I was like, I want to know more of your law. I want to know more of your decrees. I want to know more of your things because, because you're so good. Right? If, we, if we trust God as good, then it's like, man, give me more. I want, I'm hungry for the word because I want to know more of his ways because his ways are good and they're going to benefit me. And he's, he, what he does is good. I, I, I want more. The psalmist says, Psalm 23, verse 6 says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It's not, not the psalmist pursuing the goodness of God and going after it, but he's saying, man, God is so good. His goodness will follow me. His love will follow me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was excited to dwell in the house of God, the church. Forever. Not just one, one hour a week, forever. Like this is, he's like, I need, I, I want to be there because God is so good. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe we need to grasp his goodness. A little bit more. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We're familiar with that part. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Then verse 5 says, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faith, that's forever. That means that his love doesn't go away if you mess up. His love doesn't go away if you pull back. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Give thanks to him. Why? That's David said. Give thanks to him. Why? Because he is good. He's good. Psalm 31 verse 19 says, Lord, how wonderful you are. You have stored up so many good things for us like a treasure chest heaped up, spilling over with blessings, all for those who honor and worship you. Everybody knows what you can do. For those who turn and hide themselves in you. So hide all of your beloved ones in the sheltered secret place before your face. Overshadow them with your glory presence. There's the glory again. But I, I love that, that sentence in there. Everybody knows what you can do. Everybody knows what you can do. Everybody knows what you can do who turn and hide themselves in you. Do they? Does everybody know what God can do for us? Because if not, maybe it's because those of us who have a relationship with him haven't fully grasped him, his goodness. So I think it's, we need to lean into a deeper relationship with him, understanding that he is good. Why? 
Because David said this in Psalm 27. It says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is the, the key verse that we wrote, the song we're going to release today, uh, Goodness. And there's so much power in this, this verse. Believing in the goodness of God, I think, is so key for us in the season we've just come through and, and where we're at right now, but where we're going as well. Because David said, he gives us, gives us the reason why it's so important to not just believe in God, but believe, believe in the goodness of God. Because he says, I would have lost heart unless I believed. Unless I believed that I'd see the goodness of God while I'm still here on earth. It's not good enough to believe that God will save me from this earth and, and just get me to heaven. That's not what salvation is all about. The psalmist said, no, no, I, I would have lost heart with all the things that life throws at me. I would, I would have lost heart unless I believed that, that I, can, I can endure this. I can endure this for in the morning. I can endure this for the, for the evening because I know in the morning... His joy is going to be made full. I know I can endure this season for now because I know that I'm going to see the goodness of God, not just in heaven one day, but in the land of the living. So in spite of current circumstances, don't lose heart. God is good. And you will see his goodness here on earth as it is in heaven. Today's takeaway is simply, and I know many of you share this on, on social media, and I, I want to challenge you, you know, to do that but if you believe it. And I want you to search in, in your heart and, and press into this. And this is really quite a, a simple message, but I, I don't think it's, it can be overlooked that all of us need to get to the place where we believe not just in Jesus, not just that God is God, but we need to believe He's good, and that we will see his goodness in the land of the living. So today's takeaway simply, God is good, period. God is good. God is good. God is good. Let's pray. God, I, th I thank you for who you are. And I thank you that you are good. And I know for me personally, I have many questions. I haven't always felt like you answered the prayers in the way that I wanted you to. God, I've, I've been angry. I've, I've been disappointed in you. And I've wrestled with this idea that you are good. Holy Spirit, thank you for your long suffering, your kindness, your patience, your mercy. And I pray even right now in this moment, help me to press in more and know you're so good. God, you're good. Help each one of us to know that you are good and that we'll see your goodness in the land of the living.
In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure how you guys feel about your experience or your, your journey and your faith. Because sometimes, what, like Pastor Kelly said, we can go through life and, and, uh, and our experiences in life sometimes come into play with, does God really love us? You know, why are we here? Why are we doing this? Until we realize that we're living in a broken world. And we're living amongst broken people, imperfect people. You know, even the church is imperfect. And we know that. And it's kind of it's kind of no wonder. Maybe you're here today and and you've never ex- explored a a faith journey, relationship with God. Because you, you go you look at it and go if, if why would I want to be in a relationship with someone that's telling me I'm doing something wrong all the time, or I have to behave a certain way before they can even be in relationship with me? You know, do they they even know my story? You know, I, you'd never do that. But that's that's what we have to. ever purpose ourselves to have the same love for people that God has for us. It's almost impossible. It is really impossible, but we work at it really hard here at My Venture Church. Because that journey that maybe you're going to go through really lousy things in life, but going through them with in a relationship with God is much better. There's guidance and direction. At times where we need a hand up instead of being pushed down and told us we're doing wrong. And that's that's how I found my relationship with God is it's not, it's in my worst experience that I hear a song and I go, wow, he loves me. <laughs> it's so powerful. But that experience begins when you enter into a relationship with him. You know, I, I get to do a lot of weddings. I love doing weddings. I love seeing people to become one and that they begin that journey of that relationship. And I happened to do one yesterday. And, and that relationship, the marriage relationship begins with, vows. Zem's saying, speaking one thing to another. Like, it's very common for people to do that. You say these vows, you make this commitment, and that sense with God, it's the same. It's not necessarily a commitment. It's, it's just you acknowledging that He's there in your life, and you want Him to be a part of your life. He's, he doesn't force Himself on you. That's one thing the Scripture says, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. That's every single one of us. I don't care where you were, what you were doing, what you think the church or people think of you, but what God thinks of you is he thinks you're amazing and he loves you. And he'd love to be alongside you for the rest of your journey here. And he'll make it better. I'll guarantee it. It'll be better. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but it'll be better. I know that from experience. And each week we, we give people an opportunity to, to confess, basically to say that. It's not really a vow necessarily. It's just acknowledging who God is in your life. And do you change overnight? Like the minute you walk out of here, a different person want to wear a black robe and hopefully not go downtown and tell everyone they're going to hell? <laughs> no, you don't. Just like in a love relationship with a husband and wife, you, that relationship grows over time and it struggles at time. But it's still good. And he's good and he loves you. But I'm going to ask you to repeat this, this statement. It's basically a prayer after me, if everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes. It's a very personal thing. This is between you and God, but we're going to say it corporately. You can just pray this after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. I believe you died and rose again. I ask you to become my Lord, my Savior, 
and my friend. I thank you for forgiving me of all my mistakes and sins. And in your name, my past is past and gone. I have a new start. And Lord, I give you my heart today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv.